This is BBC Whatever. Hooray! Thank you, Director General. Have a golden handshake. Later this afternoon, we've more ghostly goings on with that ghastly, uh, lovable doggy detective, Scooby Don't. Scooby Dooby Don't. Where are you? We got some work to do now. Scooby Dooby Don't. Where are you? We need some help from you now. You know we got a mystery to solve, so Scooby Don't. Be ready for your act. Don't hold back. did you kids discover that the ghost was really old Mr. Stereotype in disguise? Simple, Sheriff. The first clue is when he mentioned it to me by accident. And then later on, he mistakenly told me again. After one final inadvertent confession on his part and some careful thinking on mine, I deduced that it had to be him. But, like, how did old Mr. Stereotype make such a convincing ghost, Fred? Simple, Shaggy. To make it look like he was flying, he set up a complicated system of ropes and pulleys all over town. Then, to complete the illusion, he covered himself in a white bedsheet from Debenhams. Well, he won't be impersonating ghosts by using a system of ropes, pulleys, and bedsheets from Debenhams again for a very long time. Not until he gets out of prison, at least. Then he might start doing it again, I suppose. I'm not ruling it out altogether, anyway. Not at this stage. If only Velma and Daphne were here to see justice prevail. Yeah. It's a shame we had to send them out for snacks. Like anyone would think we didn't know anyone who could do their voices. Yeah. Voices. <laughs> Scooby-Dooby-Doo. Scooby-Dooby-Don't. That's much, 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 much later on BBC What's It. Much later, thank God. But first... Yes, it's time once again for the John Dredge Nothing To Do With Anything show. And let's begin by introducing this week's guest, for want of a better word, actor, mildew consultant and kipper enthusiast... Greg Haste. That's Greg Haste, actually, John. You got the emphasis totally wrong there. Greg, you've had a varied career to date, starring in plays that have ranged from the bad to the disastrous. Are you appearing in anything soon? Yes. I'm delighted to say that for the next fortnight, I'll be appearing in The Sea at Great Yarmouth. You're just going on holiday, aren't you, Greg? Ah, yes, but I'm going to get the drama critic from which holiday magazine to review it, John. Just you see if I don't. And if I don't, I'll just have a nice holiday. In Great Yarmouth? Well, I suppose there's always a first time. Talking of first times, John, I've taken the liberty of bringing along a sketch I've written specially for us to perform. I'm afraid there's more than enough material in this week's show. I'm sure there is, John, but I want you to get value for your £2.50. 
So why not use the broadest possible range of my abilities, rather than a mere sousson of same? I don't want to blow my own xylophone, but I do think it's one of the best routines to have ever been written by man, woman, or stick insect. What's it called? It is entitled, rather simply... The brilliant Greg Haste presents Greg Haste's funny laughter sketch by Greg Haste, with additional material by Greg Haste. How can you credit yourself with writing additional material for your own sketch? Well, I wrote the sketch first, and then added a bit more a short while later. It takes place in a shop. What sort of shop? Don't confuse the issue, John. Just read the script and come straight in after the cue. But I haven't agreed to do it yet. May I help you, sir? Oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Dear, oh, 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 dear. Something wrong? To be honest, John, you've put the rest of the sketch totally out of kilter. Have I? Yes. It's a comedic work, so you must try to bear in mind that if you say the line in a funny way, then the sketch as a whole will be funnier. It's an old industry trick. Exactly how is it possible to say, may I help you, in a funny way? I don't know, John. You tell me. You're the comedian. I mean, clearly you're no Jim Davidson, but if it's that much of a problem for you, I'll start the sketch. We can't all be professionals, I suppose. Play the cue again. Good afternoon, my dear shopkeeper. A packet of your finest crisps, if you please. That'll be 50 pence. Ah, um, that might be a bit of a problem, my dear fellow, because... (laughs) Because you... Because you see... (laughs) I've only got 40 pence. (laughs) What a classic. That's it, is it? Yes, John. It's what's known as a quickie. I think we should move on to the next item before I have a breakdown. Good idea, John. Have your breakdown later. Trip advisor! Amateur critic and TripAdvisor champion Peter Pellbeam here again with another hotel review. This week I've been staying at the Cliff Hotel in Yarmouth. Was it so named because people often feel like jumping off a cliff once they've stayed there? Let's find out, shall we? No! What do you mean, no? On entering the lobby, I immediately noticed that the carpet was a rather unnerving shade of blue, and in my mind it conjured up a very disturbing image of a giant blue cat. I asked the manager if the carpet could be dyed a less terrifying colour, but he said they had just run out of carpet dye that very morning. Luckily, I always carry my own supply in case of an emergency, but when I offered to sell some to the manager at a reduced rate, he seemed alarmingly uninterested. Was this dismissiveness an example of the sort of attitude I would experience during the remainder of my stay? Only time would tell. But yes, it was. I was then shown to my room on the rather unimaginatively named First Floor, which to me looked like a pigsty. I then realised I was still looking at the cover of Pigsty magazine, which I had been reading on the way up the stairs to make the journey less tiresome. 
On entering my room, the first thing that hit me was the cleaner. It later transpired that a previous review of mine had led to her getting the sack from a travelodge in Swatham. I was about to suggest she attend an anger management course when she smacked me over the head with a breakfast tray. My well-developed critic's eye immediately noticed that the tray had not been properly washed, and I resolved to bring this up with the manager the moment I regained consciousness. When I did so, the manager apologised and asked if he could get me anything. I made a simple request for a barrel of Indian headdresses suspended above an Egyptian pepper pot, as I had left mine at home, and they always helped me get off to sleep. Late in the evening, after several hours' wait, I was provided with a box of wigs suspended above a teapot, which was no good at all. Sensing my displeasure, the manager wondered whether he could be of any further use, so I asked him to read me a bedtime story. With no books at his disposal, he attempted to improvise such a tale, but the unconvincing characters, multiple plot holes and lack of a coherent story arc left me more awake than before. So, with no hope of getting any sleep, I decided to dye the carpet a more relaxing, holistically therapeutic shade of pink. Room service arrived with my breakfast at 8 o'clock sharp, but instead of fresh fruit, I was given scrambled eggs on toast. When I raised this oversight with the concierge, I was reminded quite correctly that I had ordered scrambled eggs on toast for breakfast. However, as I had changed my mind halfway through eating the meal, I felt they should have checked accordingly. As I was putting on my bicycle clips and getting ready to leave later in the day, I was heartened to see that my overnight work on the carpet in my room had been discovered, as all of the staff had come to show their appreciation by throwing a generous amount of fruit my way, obviously trying to make up for the mistake they'd made at breakfast. However, I have to say that I won't be returning to the Cliff Hotel in Yarmouth, because they've banned me. Thank you. Time now for another 60 second challenge in which randomly selected contestant Tim from Basingstoke has got just 60 seconds to play this week's 60 second challenge. Hello Tim. Hello John. What do you do for a living Tim? I'm a randomly selected contestant. Lovely. So Tim, you've got just 60 seconds to name everyone you've ever met starting now. Jim Peterson, Daphne Smithhurst, uh, Robert, no, Bob, uh, Bob Stokes. Bob Stokes. Morton Harkett. No, you never actually met him. You just bought one of his albums. Damn. Um, uh, Barry Palmer. Bernard Palmer. Bernard, of course, yes. Uh, um, uh, Joan something. Yes. Married to Boris something, of course. Right, yes. Uh, Linda Thules. Shuey McPhee. Um, there was the chap who once bumped into your trolley in Fine Fair. The Archbishop of Canterbury. Yes. And what about that man you met at a knitting class in the late 70s? Uh, uh, John Lydon? Right again. Ah. Oh, good. Uh, Nigel Plinths, Jeremy Johnson. Sounds like Jeremy Johnson. Jerry Johnson? Correct. Uh, Michael Tiptree. Uh, Bob Dylan. Sounds like Bob Dylan. Donovan. Correct. <laughs> uh, Wadid Jumblatt, Brian Perkins, all of the Sunshine Band, apart from KC. Less than a second left. Michael McIntyre. Oh, what a shame. You've run out of Tim there, time. And you still had one name left, which was, of course, Deborah, your loving wife of 16 years. Of course. But you don't go away totally empty-handed, because here's your very own commercial break. But I've already got one. Well, have another one. 
I'm Bernard Helicopters. And I'm his brother, Mervyn. And, and we'd, we'd like, like to welcome you to the Helicopter, Helicopter Brothers Shoe Store in Leighton Buzzard. Keep up, Mervyn. These Wellington boots were knocked down to 19.99, but now they're only 29.99. These Gladstone galoshes have also had 50% slashed back on. They're now an incredible 29.99. And if those bargains don't make your tootsies tingle, how about one of the other items of footwear in our great politicians' range? Lloyd George loafers, Callahan waders, Thatcher clogs, Profumo brothel creepers, Churchill insurance. No, that's not right. We cater for every ideology and all for just 10 quid more than last week. We've also a range of amazingly odd sizes, colours and finishes. 13 and a half in pink snakeskin for the left and 7 and a quarter in rubberized olive for the right. Just $29.99 per pair. How about a pair of genuine Hungarian carpet slippers for $29.99? That's just 90% added on. Or stand out from the crowd with a pair of stilts. Just $29.99 or your money back. Our price gun's not stuck on $29.99. Honest. Yes, come on down to the Helicopter Brothers Shoe Store. There's a branch near you if you live in Leighton Buzzard. And there's loads of parking in Tring. The Helicopter Brothers the shoe store. Something for everyone. So long as it's shoes. Yeah, if you don't want shoes, forget it. Everyone's a winner, baby. It's part two, part two, part two. It's part two, part two. It's part two. It's part two. Welcome back to the show, where it's time for the answer to last week's quiz. We asked you to complete the sentence Snow White and the Seven. And the answer was, of course, Samurai. So, let's pull a winner out of the hat. Hello. Congratulations. What's your name, sir? Arnold Winner of No Fixed Abode. That's a lovely part of the world, isn't it? It was until I moved there. Well, here's your star prize, a brand new KTEL piano detuner. KTEL Piano Detuner, for when your piano is just that little bit too well-tuned. Ooh, I'd love a piano detuner, John, if you've got one going spare. You've got me going spare, Greg. Repetition. Welcome once again to Bowler Hat Weekly. On the panel tonight, we have Norman Clips, Senior Bowler Hat Tester for Northamptonshire County Council. Hello. Next to him is the founder member of the anti-bowler hat movement, Mrs Ethel Yerkes. Down with bowlers. Next to Mrs Ethel is the Vice-Vice Chairman of Bowler Hats Incorporated, Sir Jeremy, always preceded by the Desert Island Discs theme for some reason. Good evening. And next to Sir Jeremy is... The wall. Nice to be here as always, John. Narden Norman, because you're a bowler hat tester by trade, we've supplied you with a brand new one to try out while you're here. Thank you very much, John. Well, yes, this bowler hat seems quite comfortable, with just the right amount of headroom. And it's an exquisite shade of black. In fact, the only problem, as far as I can see, is that it keeps going... So what you're saying is, if the manufacturers can do something about the... They might be on to a winner. Absolutely. Perhaps I can bring Mrs. Yerkes in here, as she seems to have gone out. 
Sorry, love. Uh, needed a fag. Tell me, why is there a need for an anti-bowler hat movement in this day and age? Well, we in the ABHM feel that bowler hats are as dangerous now as they were back in the 1940s. I mean, just look at all the problems in the Middle East. That's down to bowler hats, is it? No, but, you know, just look at all the problems in the Middle East. Sorry, it just went off in my hands. You see? Bowler hats can be dangerous in all sorts of ways. I mean, we all know what happens when bowler hats are fired out of a cannon, don't we? Take a look. I see what you mean. It's blown an enormous hole in the wall. Yes, and I'd only just been rebuilt as well. Sir Jeremy, do you feel that perhaps bowler hats have had their day? Not at all. I mean, without bowler hats, what would one put on one's head? A a colander? Bowler hats are one of the things that made this country what it is. Although I couldn't tell you exactly where it is without a map. The The point is, we should hold our heads up high and our hats even higher and strive for a better bowler Britain. Anything you'd like to add to that, Norman? Wise words there. On next week's Bowler Hat Weekly, we'll be asking what we should ask on the following week's Bowler Hat Weekly. But as next week's Bowler Hat Weekly is the last ever edition before the show is axed to make way for a new series of Trilby Hat Daily, it'll be a total waste of time. Good night and good luck. Sorry! The fact that the producer's got his coat on tells me that we've reached the end of another nothing-to-do-with-anything show. I say, John, would you mind awfully if I read the closing credits? After all, I did study reading credits at RADA. (sighs) Very well, Greg. That was the nothing-to-do-with-anything show, which was written, yes, that's it, written and perforated by John Drudge. Dredge, with the producer Richard Gay, uh, Cray, capital C, small R, looks like a capital G. It featured the voices of Anna Emerson, James Shaft, and Greg Haste. The sow was dissected by... Oh, that's put me right off. I'm not sure you were ever on, Greg. Hello, John, and let me also add a quick goodbye to save time later. Tis I, David Lynch, avant-garde filmmaker and amateur weather forecaster. No, don't get up. I wasn't going to. I've got the most recent of my latest weather forecasts for you, John. We're just wrapping up now, David. Then you're well prepared, John. Prepared for what? Sleet. I see. What exactly is sleet? I've always wondered. The Oxford English Dictionary describes sleet as a rubbish form of snow, and I'm inclined to agree, as you will now hear on this gramophone record. I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. It's out soon on Ascent Records and Tapes. Look, I really don't have time for this. As soon as Greg finishes the credits, that's it. Exactly. Now, where was I? The show was dilated by... No, that's not right. David's putting me off again. The show was direct Ted. Who is this Ted? Ah, no, I see it. Uh, Don't worry, John, I see it. Dibronked it. it. Dry rinsed. No, that's not... Surely you can make room for a quick burst of thunder and lightning, John? Actually, yes. Maybe just the one. Over there, perhaps. Right you are. Diana Dawes. Dire Straits. Direct line insurance. Diary of Anne Frank. 
anyone else I can smite for you, John? No, I think that's just about it for today, thanks. Then my work here is done, and I must now return to the meteorological office, where I shall continue to study meteors logically. I would say goodbye, but I said it earlier. I knew I should have brought my umbrella. (laughs) 